to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness in the making. Double up on facts, we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying, what we saying, prime information. Facts, keys to the city, we unlocking the statements. Streaming every Friday. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are streaming on all social media platforms at Keys to the City. So subscribe, comment, share, or like. First off, before we get into what we're going to be discussing today, the New York Yankees once again, a horrible performance against the Boston Red Sox, getting swept for the first time since 2011 against those Red Sox in Yankee Stadium. Also going to talk about the Julio Jones trade. We said that he was going to get traded. Where was he going to go? It's official. He has a new home. He's going to Nashville, Tennessee. And then we will close out with the NBA playoffs. There's been stars. The stars have come to play this entire postseason, the younger stars, the older stars. But have the Nets shown that talent reigns supreme and is proving the point that you don't need great coaching. You don't need great chemistry to win a championship in the NBA. We'll get to all of that. But like I said, with the first thing, sad news today, as we are all Giant fans, one of the better coaches since the Bill Parcells era, and that is Jim Fossil today, passing away at the age of 70, 71 due to a heart attack. It's a tragic loss because this was a guy that had the famous quote, one of the famous quotes in football history or NFL history, I should say, is this team is going to the playoffs. I'm going to put all my chips on the in front and I say the Giants will go into the playoffs. They did. They didn't win a Super Bowl, but they got there. And what, what are you doing over there? Are you causing problems over there? Yeah, you. Yeah, you. The guy over there. You. Never seen him before in my life. Fossil, one of the better coaches there since Bill Parcells, has tragically passed away at the age of 71. So I guess we should continue to the bad and stay in the New York theme as well as the New York Yankees. A huge weekend. We talked about it last week. The, the fundamentals, the inconsistency. Well, they had the Boston Red Sox come into town. Well, the Boston Red Sox came in and the Boston Red Sox left Yankee Stadium as the Kings of New York, as they reign supreme and sweep those New York Yankees. Now officially six and a half games back and in fourth place in the AL East. And it's the same thing going on. Their record speaks for itself. They're 31 and 29 because of the inconsistency, because of the awful offense. It's not the pitching. It's not the bullpen. Yes, the bullpen has given up sometimes, but the pitching has been great. Montgomery has been great. Cole has been up and down a little recently. And then you got, um, I'm about to say Severino, Herman. He's been great for the Yankees. But it's the biggest thing that we've been talking about. It's the offense that continuously has been disappointing. And just seems like they don't show up. There's no there's no spunk. There's no jolt into this team right now. This team looks like they're going through the motions. And it showed again when you had a huge week last week in the sense of you're playing the Rays. You're playing the Red Sox. Two teams at the time that were in front of you. Now those two teams are jumping ahead of you big time in the AL East. So when you see this, it's frustrating. And we're New York, New York fans. We're not here to give a little pat on the back. We want you to win. We want you to win now. We're still going to love you, but guess what? When you're performing with the way the Yankees are performing right now, we're going to get pissed off. So, Ted, when you see what the Yankees have shown this week or this past week, I should say, or this entire season, what do you think is the biggest reason for the Yankees' awful and inconsistent play, or I should say specifically the offense 
from this New York Yankees. I'll get into Joe. So I'm going to say something intelligent. I have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 I say that with all respect to whoever's listening to us because I really don't have a clue. You know, a lot of my information comes from just reading the posts, you know, seeing what the New York reporters are saying, watching the Michael K show. I know Colin Coward doesn't talk about the Yankees or baseball, but like, you know, you hear fans yesterday, they're calling the Michael K show and they're like, they're bashing the Yankees. And like Michael K is like, don't tell me that you thought this Yankee team that everyone had predicted in baseball, except for the Dodgers to go to the world series. This was a team that had the expectation they were supposed to win the AOEs. The Red Sox were supposed to finish fourth. The Rays were, had lost players from last year's, um, um, I was going to say Stanley Cup World Series team. They were supposed to finish second or third. You know, they were going to compete for the wild card. The Yankees were going to run away with the division, probably have close to 100 wins. And and really, you, you, who else was going to compete with them in the AL? You just felt with a full season, with everything that they had to offer, they would be the best team. I don't have an answer for it. I, re I, I can't really explain why they're not hitting because I don't know if there's – a real answer to it because you know the talent's there. You Like, you know Aaron Judge can hit the ball. You know Gary Sanchez can hit the ball. I think with Gary Sanchez, a lot of things that Joe talked about last Friday's show was when he was 15 years old, he must have been good enough then to be, to be your catcher that you're like, I want that guy to be my catcher. What did you do to change it's like, him? It's like the Glaber thing too. Well, and and, and I think A-Rod, Joe – I don't, you watch the game Sunday night. So you remember A-Rod talk about Glaber moving him yeah. from second to short? The first thing I thought about was how you mentioned last Friday on the show about all the things that they got Gary going in in his mind. We're trying to work on his defense so much. He's so focused on what he's trying to do defensively that his mind is lost when it comes to an at-bat. I think they're going up there like when you're in youth baseball, please, I hope I get a hit. Not like, all right, well, hey, listen, I know he's – 50% of the time he throws a first pitch fastball or like this, look for the slider down and away against, you know what I mean? Like you, they're hoping and praying instead of going up there with a confidence. And I think another thing I'll use Joe's words again is I think you have a lot of the same puzzle pieces on this team. There's no, there's no, there's no differential between players. You know, we were talking right before the show and I'll let Joe come on was when we talk about the nineties and the 2000 teams, right? There was every player had a different, like, Okay, so like Brocious was like a contact hitter. Then you had like Tino, like a power hitter. Then you had like Bernie, a slap hitter. And then like Jeter was like the guy who always was always the guy who pushed the ball to right field and skip extra. You know, like every person had a different puzzle piece and it, it fit. When I look at this team, I, I look at like you got a puzzle and all the pieces when you empty them out of the box, they're all the same piece. So you can't finish the puzzle. Because they don't interlock. There's no there's no balance. And for a team that has a short porch, and they've always had a short porch, it's been talked about for a thousand years with the New York Yankees, to not have any lefties, and I and I know Guardy's a lefty, but not to not have at least two, three, and don't tell me, oh, we were hoping Eric Hicks was gonna be our lefty power guy. He never was, never is, and never will be. Joe, like that, let me like that was Joe. What'd you say? Like that comment, you know where that's from? Brett the I didn't know what you Hold on, what'd you say? The Brett the Hitman Heart one, Joe. Oh yeah, Brett, yeah, of course, Joe. Yeah. I wanted to get the I Brett like the that. Hitman, the best there was. Well, he's the worst there was, the worst there ever will be. <laughs> Joe, you said last week that this Yankee team needed a change, and you mentioned Aaron Boone. And why I'm saying Aaron Boone is because you said that Aaron Boone should be fired. If if it's not Aaron Boone, if it's not a managerial change, 
what would be a move that you have to strongly consider for this team right now? Because the, Mark, so there's obviously something massively wrong with this offense. Yeah, Marcus Thames needs to be let go. And listen, you can make the he's not like he's the one doing the hitting. Well, he's in charge of them making adjustments and watching videos, and he's in charge of their play approach. Mm-hmm. And it's not going well. It's going poorly at a historic rate where, again, uh, I'm surprised the Indians haven't let their hitting coach go. That guy sucks at his job, too. That team's not even hitting 200 collectively. So they've, they've been yeah, no hit twice. And they've been no hit twice. And the Mariners, I think, is another one struggling mightily uh, out there in the Pacific Northwest. Again, sometimes you make these moves and it's again, it's not like, well, if you get rid of Marcus Timms, everything, no, that's not going to make everything. All right. Mm-hmm. But they need a new voice in there. And I, and I think there's something to it when somebody gets fired and you're sort of the reason it happened, you feel bad. It affects you. Mm-hmm. And then some new guy comes in and you're either fighting for your job now or you feel so bad you want to try to make it right by this guy. The reason I said Aaron Boone should be fired last week is, uh, you know, and, and I've been hearing a lot about this the last few days, that he sounds like an idiot after the game. That he sounds like he sounds like what Joe Judge was doing with the Giants at the beginning of last year, where he's like, yeah, like a tweak here, a block there, and we're a Super Bowl contender. And you're like, are you high? What are you watching? Right, so that's this idea that he keeps coming out. Oh, I'm seeing better at bats. Better at bats from who? From Aaron Judge? It's the only guy hitting. He's literally the yeah. He's literally the only player currently on this Yankee team. Seems like he's always getting on base right Did now. Did you know DJ LeMayhew's slugging percentage is lower than his batting average of each of the last two seasons? His slugging percentage. Yeah. Well, I said you guys that picture. It's a problem. Was a, I sent you guys that picture on uh, yeah. the other day? They had the thing, and you, Joe. I think I don't know if it was you or Trev that said, "Wow, you were, you were." I said, amazing- "Wow," because look, all Yankee fans this off season were losing their minds if the Yankees did not resign. Yeah, I yep. said when I hold on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it just it speaks volumes because this was a guy that we were all talking about. He was one of the main. Attractions in free agency this year, alongside with Trevor Bauer and, and George Springer. He's down 164 points. Strikeouts doubled it. So, so th- I, I'm just trying to get to the point of like, this was a guy that all Yankees fans. I remember on Twitter, people were losing their minds. I swear to God, if the Yankees don't sign DJ LeMahieu, I'm going to lose my freaking mind and not be a Yankee fan anymore. Well, the Yankees signed him. The Yankees brought him back, being the guy that he's been the past two years, which was a top five player in the AL, finished in the top three, four in the AL MVP voting and was our best player, most consistent player, I should say. I've been saying it. The team starts, the engine goes and runs when DJ LeMahieu is going at his time, at his pace. That's definitely the most disappointing. And that's one of my biggest, no, but that's one of my biggest things because a couple years ago when the Yankees were struggling offensively is because they had Brett Gardner as their, as their leadoff guy. And they needed a change. They needed a, a, a little kick in the ass to say, okay, we got to do something. We got to make a change in the sense of what's best for the team. And they did. They brought in DJ LeMahieu and they put him at leadoff. And everything else played itself out. The Yankees offense clicked. And because LeMahieu was getting on base, you just showed the stats, Ted. 
everything, every major category or stat from DJ LeMahieu has drastically dipped this year, just like the offense of the New York Yankees has drastically dipped. Is it because of DJ LeMahieu's play? Is it because that he's no, been able to? Is that one of the major reasons? This team is not playing bad because of one guy. It's a team effort. The pitch no, I, know. Is, I understand that. No, listen, but you are correct in he gets the engine going. He's the key that starts the engine. Yeah. It's very disappointing to see how poor he's played. Now, I don't know what it is. I, I, do, I'm not there to know what's going on on their daily routine, but something is terribly wrong because he didn't forget how to hit. Now, maybe you could say, listen, he's been unlucky, unlucky, he's hit the ball hard, he's went to guys. But this team, I mean, I sent you guys the article, and I'll just, I'm just going to go over it. So here's what I noticed, Trev. They lead the majors with 28, 28 outs on the bases. Not good. 12 at home plate, which means that's 12 runs. They're not aggressive on the base paths. Well, they are. They, they suck on the base paths. They don't okay. know how to run the bases. They, they rank last in the majors in percentage of extra bases taken. We talked about that last Friday on the show going from first to third. Simple mm -hmm. thing like what we saw about the Red Sox. We'll get into that in a second. They're last in stolen bases, which we know. They're not they're not a stolen base team. They're all power guys. They also lead the majors in double plays, which means you're getting out of innings early. Trev, you were away for a second. Me and Joe were saying, I said, remember when you're playing like this kid, playing like Nintendo or the video games, right? You pick like the baseball teams. And you'd have, like, the one baseball team be, like, all power. And, like, their speed oh, yeah. and fielding would be, like, really low on the meter and pitching would be yeah. really good. Or you have, like, the other team be, like, you know, like the Alligators. And they would be all balanced. They'd all be, like, average, average. Yeah, they'd, they'd be the team you'd always want to pick because they were balanced. Then you'd have, like, the other team that would be, like, really like really fast. At, 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 like, running and fielding was really good. But then power was really low. So the Yankees are a power team, built a power team to hit home runs. They don't hit home runs which means they don't cover up the mistakes of being a bad field, bad fielding team. They don't run the base paths well. Now, a lot of that is mental mistakes, okay? That could be easily corrected, but there are too much of idiots to figure that out. And But their pitching has played has overachieved. Okay, the bullpen's been great. Yeah, it, it had its mistakes this weekend. It's just very unfortunate that this team talent-wise is there, but the performance is not. It, it really is. And to Joe's point before is, Joe, I don't see this team making any drastic changes in the coaching staff during the regular season. If this team makes the playoffs or doesn't make the playoffs, that's where I think you'll see. I mean, is, they may have to. Listen, or display that they put out every every night, which is we don't know where Yankee team's going to show up. They're going to have to make a major thing, change. Bro, Aaron Boone's not going to get fired during the regular season. Let's, Joe, what let's, you, let's, hold on. Joe, Aaron Boone's not going to get fired, Trev, and Marcus Dames probably. But I see in the offseason this team, one way or another, unless they win the World Series, will make drastic moves. I just don't see this Yankee team. This is not the boss. This is a whole different mantra in a way. This is a pacifier. We live in a country where we pacify everyone. And that is what's gonna the Yankees are gonna be like, well we we we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes because if I'm just gonna use Aaron Bird's Aaron Boone's words, the way he pacifies his players the same way the organization is gonna pacify him. And this is what we are. Okay. And and here's my thing. You want to make changes? A Rod becomes your manager, Paul Neal becomes your hitting coach. There you go. Let's start there. Because the pitching coach, I got no problems with him. I don't know who he is. 
And J-Lo I know, be the I know he's coach. the young guy that I believe, what, two and years J- ago? And J-Lo could be the third base coach. Who? J-Lo could be the third base coach. J- J-Lo is – They might not ever go home. J-Lo is getting taken to town by no. Ben Affleck right now. Joe could be our third base coach. All right, but – I feel like I feel like uh, the only person that would let more guys through than <laughs> Phil Nevin would be J-Lo. J-Lo or Alana Rhodes. I will get into that. That's another story. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You guys are killing. Joe, you when like you still stand on your um, Yankees being the best team in the AL East? Yes, on paper they are, dude. I mean, look at the pitching matchup this weekend. There was no reason to think the Yankees wouldn't have taken two out of three from Boston. All you had to do was hit guys that you've hit before. It, it wasn't that hard. Again, I talked about you know Alex Verdugo homers in the first, in the ninth, hits a grounder to second to get a guy over to third with nobody out. And then, and then what does Bogarts do? Sack fly, gets the guy in. Simple baseball. Even A-Rod pointed it out. It doesn't can, listen. Can you, imagine, we, can you imagine? We got guys. Sorry to cut you off, Joe. What was it? Against the Tigers one weekend or a couple. It doesn't matter. I know what game it was a couple. But we had second and third with, like, no outs. Like, multiple times. I think it was last weekend. And then against the Tigers when we got beat up in the Tigers. But we didn't get one guy in. You can't get one guy in with no outs. That just speaks volumes that this team can't do the basics of baseball. That's fundamentals. I mean, Joe, A-Rod me, said it. Fundamentals. Simple baseball. We're not Joe, asking let me you ask this. And, and listen, what, if you know North Haven baseball and you're from Connecticut, we are not Bob DeMeo every time the first pitch you let the strike go because you're always down 0-1 because that's what he does. He makes them throw the first strike. And then every time someone gets on first, he bunts the guy over second. Every single time he's been doing it for 900 years. That's why he's got 900 wins. We know this team is not going to bunt. This is not – they're not bunting. They're not sack flying. Well, let me ask you this. able to not be able to go first to third and move guys over and hit the ball to right field or left field and do the simple things is just poor and atrocious and idiotic because – we're not on the baseball field. We're not there in the locker room every day, and we know these are simple mistakes. And Michael Kay and A-Rod and people in the booth are literally calling them out on it. So Let me ask you, hold on. Let me ask you this. I'm glad you said that. Joe, the message is not do, you, do, you, do you – how would this team react if – or does Aaron Boone need to start calling out the actions that are on the field or – does he continue to pacify and say, "Oh, we're we're on the we're on the cusp, we're on the cusp of being great"? Like, not going to change. Hear that? What the hell does that mean for a team? It's not going to change. Hold on, hold on. We're talking about the Yankees here. We're not talking about the Detroit Tigers or the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're talking about the New York Yankees. This team's been on the cusp for four freaking years now. So, what does that mean by that? And should Aaron Boone consider being more of an aggressor? aggressive manager whereas I, calling out these players or do you see this team if they did get called out would be the way they've reacted to situations where they've been called out by they get called out every day we call listen listen who's to say that he hasn't already had a talking to them in in the locker room i mean it's not working and we talk about all the wins this guy's had since he took over the team he's never been able to inspire them to get over the hump now they can't even get to the hump at this point. I mean, this is this a problem. And again, I'm not. I'm. I. I like Aaron Boone, and I'm not saying this is Aaron Boone's fault. I don't like the way he's dealing with it. I hate his lineups, but this isn't his fault. This is the team's fault. This is probably Brian Cashman's fault, 
as you just said, Ted, like I said, you have too many of the same pieces on this team. You don't need Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. When you got Stanton, you probably should have traded a young Aaron Judge. Yeah. For who knows what you could have pulled in for that guy. But the past is in the past. So we're we're here, and this is this is what it is. I don't think Aaron Boone can do anything to motivate this team. He hasn't been able to do it in the postseason the last three years. How is that any different? I, I, I can't. Like what Ted said, how he started this, I can't give you an honest answer because when you look this team on paper, Joe, you say you're like, this is one of the better teams on paper. Healthy team I'm talking about too. You put yeah. them against a lot of these teams, maybe other than the uh, Padres and the Dodgers, you put the Yankees right there. But every game, and we talked about the – hold on. And we talked about this last week. I don't know what team or Yankee team is showing up each and every night. And that's the thing that that bothers me. I will say this, and I know we're not talking about it today. We'll talk about it Friday more, and we'll probably talk about eventually a lot more in the next week or two when they start doing this. Let's just say that the substance thing that now Major League Baseball is – is going to now on. to crack down on. Listen, it, it supposedly it's a really big problem. Okay, it's a major problem because from everything I've read and heard, Major League Baseball players are ratting out their own players without ratting out their own team. They're literally saying this is how he does it. He slides it on the glove over here, or he puts it in here, understanding that their own teammates and pitchers are probably doing the same thing. Josh Donaldson called out Jay Cole. Oh, J. Cole, J. Garrett Cole. Oh, wow. You know what I mean. That's okay. <laughs> J. Cole, Garrett Cole. All right, boss. Now, now you would say, well, why Garrett Cole? Well, similar to a lot of other sports, the guy who makes the most money gets the the biggest bullseye. Garrett Cole is the most expensive pitcher in baseball. So that's why he probably has the bullseye in any place for the Yankees too, which doesn't these help. Guys, these guys must have not uh, so, ever watched. They so, guys must have never watched Goodfellas. You never so, rattled. With that, with that, well, listen, and here's here's a major thing. Half that baseball union is pitchers, and half is position players. So you could have a major issue going forward. Now we'll talk about it more on Friday and coming forward. But you know the umps are going to be checking pitchers eight to time, eight to ten times a game. They're going to be looking for a substance, anything. I guess I guess it's a big thing with spin rate. Let's see what happens in a month when they actually start checking pitchers and see if the RPMs on the pitches go down. Will the Yankees start hitting then? Will the breaking balls be less, you know, I'm going to use a stupid word, will they break less? Will the fastballs, instead of having that, you know, 2,200 to 2,400 spin rate be down to about 2,000? Will that change things? Because player, the, the hitters are talking about it as a major issue, reason why they are not hitting. You know, they talk That's about before where we're like, bad. hey, the steroids in the 90s weren't a big thing. But then all of a sudden, 2000, like the pitcher's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I can't get this guy out no more. All he does is hit home runs off me. And then they start ratting on each other. So will this substance thing be a major factor going forward? And will we start seeing hitting increase once pitchers are being checked and double check and triple check? Major League Baseball is a disaster right now. And you guys will recall, I, I said over the last two years when they were clearly using a juiced ball and a lot of the pitchers, Paxton and Cole and Tanaka Berlander. specifically from the Yankees all mentioned that you couldn't quite get the right grip on, on, the, uh, on the seams and everybody was popping homers. And I said, 
each of the last two years going into, if they stop using these balls with the way everybody's uppercutting going for launch angles, it's going to be really hard to hit the baseball. You program these guys for a couple of years that if they could angle up and get a piece of it, that thing was going a mile. And now it doesn't. What we also, I guess, didn't know is the pitchers were putting something else on that ball too just to get those super spin rates, which I'm sure helps with launch angle. I'm thinking the more repetitions on the ball, my bat hits, boom. You know, you put those things together. I think that's what you were looking at. And 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 here's the thing. Think about the last couple of years. Which pitchers gave up the most home runs? Guys, that's too hard. Cole, Verlander, even DeGrom. All guys who give up home runs. DeGrom yeah, I know. He does. DeGrom doesn't even give up a run per game. When, DeGrom he gives up, when he gives up, he gave up a home run in the first inning the other day. I, I'm just saying, he gets touched too. When you're just, when when the ball is moving and there's some whatever whatever they're putting on this thing. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about this year. Obviously, yeah. and he's been untouchable. Well, he did give up a home run the other day, but the last Joe's couple years, he watches the Mets games when DeGrom pitches. I listen to this. I've had I've been trying to get some of my Met fan buddies to have this conversation with me, and nobody wants to have it. But I'm like, what's going on in the mound there with that guy? Like, what is what happens when DeGrom's on the mound that everyone's checked out? What's going on? Is that like not a legit question to ask? Well, we talked about this. I don't think they're checked out. I just think he's so good. You, you listen, you just you there's an expectation that he's going to get everyone out. What I don't oh, like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you're the third baseman, you're kind of like hands on your knees and you're like, well, he's going to. Then a guy gets a hit and you're like, oh, geez. I just, well, I'll just, he oh, lulls him to sleep. To sum up what Trevor started the whole show about what's going on with baseball and the Yankees and a bunch of things and stemming back to the Yankees is maybe we'll just see in general baseball. Once they start checking pitchers, that hitting will get better. And maybe this lineup will start clicking and start hitting the ball. You know, instead of runners and scoring one out of 13, maybe we'll be five out of 13. Well, which because you also got to remember, all the averages league-wide right now is at an all-time low. Well, listen, so I know we're talking, specifically about, we're talking specifically about the Yankees because we are Yankee fans and the offense right. is horrible. But this is league-wide that the around that everybody is, is well, terrible. Well, and here's what kills me is – the Mets, the Yankees score like the lower only four teams in the league score four score less runs than the Yankees do. And the Mets have a better oh, winning have a better record than the Yankees. And you look at the Mets, the Mets have tons of injuries. Tons of injuries on their team. The Yankees don't have many injuries, if you think about it. Uh Stan's only played in what 41 of the 63 games. Uh, Judge has played in almost every game. He's only missed like five. Kluber, Hicks. You got you got some. They're nobody that matters. Nobody that matters. Luke Voigt and Louis Severino, to me, are legit. The only two guys you're missing. Maybe throw Britton in there, but he'll be back before I finish this sentence. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's already almost back. So, so, but yeah, as far as guys that are out, I mean, even it, Kluber. Kluber's a, I mean, Kluber, we all think is. No, I, mean, no, I know, but still. He was drafting well. Hopefully the hitting, if this team was hitting and playing to the potential that we all have on this show and every other damn Yankee fan, we wouldn't be even worried about it. We'd be like, hey, boy, take your time. We got you, bro. We got you. Don't worry about it. Stand now it's like, come on, let's hurry up. 
That's all. Um, that's all. It's just a disaster right now. Let, last thought, too. I'm. I'm. I don't want to beat the drum here, but this Glaber Torres going to mm-hmm. second base thing uh, again. I mean, uh, let me remind everybody how bad it was in 2018. This guy dropped like three pop ups. I mean, he's he's not a good infielder. If there's a guy who should be trying left field or center field, it's probably him, because boy, he is uh, j- whoa, whoa. just his his Duar? approach. And Dude, Duar. yeah, listen. I'll I I I I said this the other day. This upset some people. I said I would rather see Anduhar at third than Lemayu at third. I want Lemayu, who's a Gold Glove winning second baseman, to be at second base. Urshel is a better shortstop than Torres is. Facts. So, your third baseman, I think, for the meantime, you until you go out and make that Trevor Story deal, should be Miguel Andujar. You know how the Yankees put himself. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you see the play uh, at third base he made the other day, Saturday, Gio? Who, Gio? Gio. The ball was hit into the coach's box, and he and he threw it, and. Didn't even bounce and hit. You know the how the Yankees could solve this whole issue if they just traded for Nolan Arenado back in the day. Yeah. How's he doing this year? Oh, he's killing it. He's doing well. He's he's Nolan Arenado. He's one of the best players in baseball. He's not killing it. He's killing it. Go look him up. As we move here's on. the other thing. Here's the other thing, and this is an indictment of Brian Cashman. Just give me this. Give me this one more thing. <laughs> Brian Cashman had the opportunity to trade Clint Frazier. When he had value, he had an opportunity. Like I said, when when he traded for Stanton, you probably could have moved Judge and gotten a haul for a guy who wasn't making a lot of money, who was obviously one of the best rookies in baseball history. Yeah, You've had Miguel Andujar, who had high value. You could have traded, and you didn't. You've sat on all these guys, right? Get rid of Sanchez. What would you get for Gary Sanchez right now? Wandy Peralta-esque type pitcher? That, that's about what you could get, I bet, no, from somebody. You get the chicken tender basket from Yankee Stadium. Yeah, you're not getting much. And so I have to say, <laughs> is Brian Cashman – can Brian Cashman no longer evaluate talent and know the difference between fool's gold and a guy who's going to be a sustained major league baseball player for many years because – and you said this earlier, Ted, what's happened with Gary and with Glaber – to me is an indictment on how poorly the Yankees organization is running right now. You had two guys, you had two guys at prime positions who were all-stars who should be two of the biggest superstars in the game. They can't hit their way out of a paper bag and they can't feel their position. All of a sudden, what is the, what are the Yankees doing with these young guys that you can't develop this talent? We've known about Miguel Andujar's deficiencies in the field for as long as we've known that name. And they've hung on to him through injury, through drought, through whatever. Brian Cashman, and he wants to, what do you want to do? You want to leave Esteban Florial in the minors till he craps out like Chance Adams did? So, Joe. You want to so, wait till Jason Dominguez is 24 to bring him up? Yeah, right. Come so Joe, on. So, Joe, so. I'll make it real quick because I know we got to move on to the next topic. What really got me was we've been talking about this, right? We, we were talking about the Gary thing. You brought it up last Friday. And then we've had arguments about moving Glaber to second, even though he came up as a shortstop. He is a shortstop. And hearing A-Rod 
bring up the Glaber thing Sunday night. You know what I mean? And say that it re- they are human beings, that it is a major difference of playing second and short. Because I'm thinking, what really is the difference? Well, you throw the ball an extra 50 feet. What really could be the difference? But he, him actually speaking on it, he knows because he moved from short to third. And this guy is a Hall of Famer, and he's in a, one of the most intelligent baseball guys that speaks on the game. To hear him say that, easy. only to, re, to make me reinforce our point that, okay, maybe the, it is a big factor that he got moved. And the other thing I thought about, and I said to the co-worker, and I'll end it on this, Trev, was this is a Yankee story that they've done before. You guys don't remember Java Chamberlain? I mean, how many times did they play with that guy's head? He's a starter. He's a relief. He's a closer. He's a starter. He's back. I mean, remember him and Hughes and uh, Ian Kennedy? The three, they were supposed to be the three studs coming up. We were mm-hmm. going to be set for the next five to ten years. None of them panned out for the Yankees. Hughes went to Minnesota, became an all-star. Ian Kennedy went to the Diamond Kings, the all-star. He won the side young. Ian no, he didn't. I was no, wrong. He, he came in fourth that year. Well, he, had he did rank. Season. Yeah, I, I've really been good. saying – Trevor, I've been saying that for years. That was a lie. He came in fourth. Somebody finally called me out on it a couple weeks ago, and I looked it up. He came in fourth that year, but he was 22 and six. But all I'm saying is the Yankees messing with the players is not something that we haven't seen before. And so, I mean, it is unfortunate because, like Joe said, when you saw Gary Sanchez at 15 years old, you're like, well, that kid's going to be our all-star catcher for the next 20 years or 10 years. And he came up as a hitting catcher. We knew he was a hitting catcher. We knew he had deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball. And now he sucks at both. And it's very unfortunate because I think you ruined a guy that could have been a, a possible Hall of Famer. At least had the skills to be. Maybe not was, was going to fully protect him. I wouldn't say Hall of Famer. I would have said perennial All-Star. Oh, at least. Tony well, listen, he could have been. The day they got rid of Girardi – yeah, And worse, Tony Pena was the day this guy's career started going the spin mm-hmm. right down the drain. Huge mistake. Letting Girardi, I mean, again, you had two really good defensive catchers in that dugout. Talking to that at the time, he was, what, 22, 23? And, young. Right, young, and, and he, was, he was getting better, and he could hit. Like, and you got rid of not only Girardi. But Pena, uh, a guy who speaks the dude's language. I mean, literally speaks speak his numbers. language. A guy who's Tony Pena lasted in this. I mean, as a kid, even though he was on the Pirates and the, I mean, he was one of my favorite baseball players because I was a catcher and mm-hmm. I loved the, that dude was the best catcher in baseball it, defensively. There was nobody better. And sometimes he would do with the kick the leg out and stuff. I, I used to love that. All these things they've had Gary do the last couple of years is is all stuff Tony Pena could have taught him. And I, I, I'm i telling you, what a huge mistake that was. And to see, again, and you bring up Joe, but you bring up some of these other guys. You know, um, the Yankees don't do well with these young guys and bringing them up and developing them along. You could almost say the same thing. I hate to say this, but about Aaron Judge. That's why that's why they always made big moves. That's why they always went to go spend big bucks in free agency because they didn't want to rely on younger guys. They wanted to get right to the biggest names, and that's why they were always trying. Everybody was like, oh, there goes a the Yankee spending a billion dollars on players because they can. Well, guess what? They tried to do the homegrown thing, and that experiment right now is up for debate, but currently it's going south very quickly. 
So right now it's tough times in New York. So other than if you're an Islanders fan and if you want to consider yourself a so-called Mets fan, it is tough times in New York because New York continues to struggle with sports. So like, we'll see what happens with the Islanders. But if you're a Tennessee Titan fan, you're living life right now. You're happy. You're excited because this is a team that is going all in and trying to make a big splash because – Let's see, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you probably should get out of your house or get out of under the rock because Julio Jones has a new home now. He is in Nashville, Tennessee, and he is going to team up with his former teammate, Derrick Henry, Alabama, two monsters, plus A.J. Brown. Boy, oh, boy, that offense is going to be scary, but there's a problem. That's only half, that's only half of a team. You still also got defense, and the Tennessee Titans were really, really bad last year on defense. So you see how the AFC has played out this year. I'm talking specifically with the AFC teams. The Chiefs, last time we saw them, they were getting their rear ends kicked for 60 minutes in the Super Bowl. What do they do? They get a whole new revamped line and probably one of the better lines now in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills just kept adding talent with Emmanuel Sanders. You still got Stephon Diggs. And then you just keep adding with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's going to get better. Baltimore goes out and helps Lamar finally. Goes to get Rashad Bateman in the draft. Goes to get Sammy Watkins. Then you got the, even the team in, the, in their division, the Colts. You see, and the Browns. All these teams making big moves. The Colts going to get Carson Wentz. The, the Browns trying to get a super team now in the NFL. And now the Titans are the newest team to the AFC edition and making a big splash. So we just named off about five or six teams. Where would you rank the Tennessee Titans, I'll start with you, Ted, among the AFC favorites currently with the newest edition of Julio Jones? You're making my answers easy and quick tonight because we talked about this at 2 o'clock this morning. I said fifth. No, I, I, I know we're going to get out of work now. I get out at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so um, A.J. Brown, you know, had offered Julio number 11. Um, Julio declined, said, dude, that's he's your number. Eight. I think he's going to wear eight. Um, and then because A.J. Brown was going to go to his college number, number one, when he played for Ole Miss. But he's, I just read his tweet from Warren Moon. He goes, oh, Warren, I was sorry. I was going to bother you about asking you to wear your number. But, dude, I'm not even deserving of that number. He goes, I'm good. Um, Warren Moon was a beast. So it um, should be interesting what number he chose. Probably eight from when he was when he was with Alabama. I love the new number changes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, Peppers is going to stay with 21 for the Giants. He was possibly going to go back. I hope they sign him. I need to get a new jersey. I was, I I was hoping, I was hoping he was going to go number five when he wore it at Michigan. I love the single number digits thing. I mean, I'm a 21. Are you, getting, are you getting to the point, or are you just going to continue talking about numbers and jersey numbers? Go buy well, one yeah. on NFL.com. Because I, 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 like, I like that stuff. It's fun and interesting. Hey, listen, A.J. Brown pushed hard for him. I told you last night, I think they're the fifth best team. Are they the uh, best team in the AFC South? Yes, because better I don't know what because better than the Colts. No, yes, absolutely. But the, here's the thing: I say Ooh. that now on I say that now on June eighth. Ask me in September something, whatever day you want to, because I don't know what Carson Wentz we're gonna be. If Carson Wentz is the guy that we saw three four years ago when he was MVP caliber player, then we'll talk about the Colts because they have they have a good they have a really good defense. They have they have a Pro Bowl. They're the most complete team. They're the most complete team in that division. Maybe I'll take the Titans right now. I just here's my thing. You gotta you're gonna have to pick your poison with this Titans team offensively. Okay, last couple years you say, oh, we could stack the box, play eight man, and we'll be good. Now you can't do that. 
you're going to play A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, two of the, two similar big-time strong receivers who do work after the catch. They're, they're yak guys, if you know the yards after the catch. Julio's probably going to have his easiest time as a player since he's been in the league for some time now, um, especially because you're not going to be able to double him. You're going to have to double the A.J. Brown guy, the rookie. I mean, he – rookie, oh, my God. Get it together, Ted. He's a beast. He's Julio. What you what he I'll, let you, I'll just he's, talk me He's what Julio was eight years ago when Julio came in. He He's phenomenal. He's one. He's the next up-and-coming young star receiver. And, and you have Derrick Henry, the best running back in football right now. Wow. Listen, this is Joe's second favorite team, the Tennessee Titans. Here, here's my question with the Titans, though. They still have a lot of deficiencies on the defense. Their pass rushing is one of the worst in the leagues, all mm -hmm. right? So offensively, they're going to be stout. They're going to be great. Puts more pressure on Ryan Tannehill. But I, I still like them as the fifth-bet team. I like the Chiefs as number one. I think the Browns, if Baker Mayfield can get better and improve from last year's good season. No, who would you, who'd you say second? I said the Browns. Who would you say second? The Bills. You said the Bills. But if the Browns play to the potential and Baker plays to what you have expectation with Clowney, with everyone that they signed in free agency and their wonderful uh, draft class, they should be the second-best team, followed by the Bills, then followed by the Ravens, and then the Titans, and then the Patriots, probably somewhere around there at six. Joe, how do you feel about this Titans team? I know you're, you like Derrick Henry. You're a huge Derrick Henry guy. You picked him a lot in those fantasy locks last year. You also picked him against me as he won that bet, still against the Baltimore Ravens. So how do you feel about this Tennessee Titans team? Do you feel like they can compete with the Chiefs now with a move like Julio? Do you know last year the Tennessee Titans finished 28th in time of possession? They were actually worse than the Giants by 30 seconds per game. They came in 28th at 28-12 per game. I did not know that. Now, when we talk about defense, and Tennessee's got some issues on defense, if you can get this offense on the field for 35 to 40 minutes a game, that will go a long way towards not letting your defense get exposed. You can make the same argument about that Giants defense. So is Tennessee's defense not good, or are they just on the field for too long? Could be a combination of both, mind you. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I haven't watched enough Titans games to to really they're, break they're, down their they're, defense. They don't have. They don't have. They are the Giants of last year where they don't have a pass rushing guy. They don't have a number one pass rusher. Uh, they don't have a stud at linebacker, and they don't have anybody really in the set. They don't have they any studs. My boy, Javon Curse. They don't have, they any, they don't have any studs on defense. Now, of course, Joe, like you said, they can score points, though. They can put up points. Uh, and here's my thing. Is it worth it for them? Yeah, because if you can get a healthy Julio Jones, you're getting one of the best receivers in football. Now, yes, he only played in nine games last season. But you know when he's healthy, he's one of the five best receivers on the football field. And you still have to respect him for who he is. You can't just say, now we're going to put a slot receiver line. No, because this is a guy that had 300 yards in one game. It's a guy that's had multiple 200-yard receiving games. You know, So this will definitely help the Titans and help Derrick Henry not have to face eight-man boxes anymore. And yeah. who knows? You know, it's like you said, Joe, if you can get an extra first down, you know, here and there, three extra first downs in a game is an extra three, you know, let's see, 40-second clock times three, two minutes, talking extra six minutes. Now you're going from 28 to 36, 34 minutes of time possession. That's six minutes your defense is not on the field, which means they're more rested, which means 
you control the clock, which means the defense is tired, which means you have a potentially – you're controlling the game, you know what I mean, and you and you're more likely to win, which means your defense has a better opportunity to succeed. It's, it's I, I mean, think, it's awesome to see. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, I so, again, for me, I think this move, like that's part of the mindset here is – because again, right? The everyone's just like, well, their defense still needs some help. Well, mm-hmm. this could really go a long way again, just toward keeping that. If their defense isn't on the field, they can't give up points. Well, that and here's the thing: you look at the teams I mentioned above you. Chiefs' offense, nasty. The Browns' offense, just Browns. I mean, there's studs everywhere. Two running backs, two receivers, two tight ends. There's studs everywhere, and they have a great offensive line. The Bills. They got players. They got Emmanuel Sanders. They traded for Diggs last year. Cole Beasley. They got got people. They got people. I'm surprised they didn't get any big-time running back this year, but they got potential. I think Le'Veon Bell is still a free agent, so who knows? Maybe they can go pick him up. Listen, he's he's got potential, especially if he's fully invested. You know what I mean? Then you look at the Ravens, right? What do they do? They drafted receivers. They got got players. So if you're going to compete with a lot of these AFC teams, you got to put up points. You just can't be winning, you know, you can't be winning 21-20 games. You're going to have to win 31-28, 35-27 games. Yep. And Julio yep. Jones is going to help you score and help you succeed it's, offensively because you're going to put pressure on these other teams' defenses. It's awesome to see because you see the NFC right now. The Bucks are, I would say, the premier team in the NFC, followed by maybe the Rams, and we don't know what's going on with Green Bay. Seattle you put up there. Then you look at the AFC. I mean, it's wide open, the AFC. I mean, the Chiefs, yeah, we're going to put the Chiefs up there at the top because they have been the top of the, the cream of the crop. They've been, the, they've been to the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl past couple of years. They've been there. Then you got the Bills, the newcomers, the Ravens, the newcomers, the Titans, the Browns. These are all – I mean, it's wide open. This yeah, the Steelers. Listen, we knocked the Steelers, but the Steelers got talent. They were 10-0. and 0. If, we, if we're not if we're not forgetting, they were 10-0. and 0. If they yeah, bet, but, I, Listen, I know. I know what you're going to say. I'm just saying that the AFC is wide – and you can't, we can't take out the Colts because it, the Carson Wentz factor, if he becomes, like you said, with Frank Wright and what he did with Frank Wright the last time he was with them, was MVP-like – Man, you're talking about a Colts team that could come out of the AFC. So you got about yeah. six to seven teams, legit teams, that can really – I know we already just put the Chiefs because, oh, well, it's Patrick Mahomes. They're going to come off after the at the beating they took in Super in the Super Bowl with the new line, with the new uh, revamped offensive line. I mean, that AFC is going to be wide open. Yeah, so, what, about the, what about Joe's team? The Justin so Herbert Chargers. Oh, the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers are another team. They are dor- – they look – all these teams that we just talked about made major moves this year. And I give all the teams, all the teams that they did credit. The Chiefs needed an offensive line. They went to go do that. The Bills needed to add weapons for Josh Allen. They went to do that. They needed weapons for Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. They did that. The Colts needed a quarterback. They did that. The Titans go at another big-time receiver and a big weapon, so you lose Corey Davis. Hell, let's just go get Julio Jones. That's pretty good with them. And then the Steelers are the only team, I would say, out of that group that really kind of took a step back. And then even the Chargers, who could be the dark horse, depending on with this new offensive line and Herbert, if he can continue his excellent play from his rookie season, you got a wide-open AFC. My last thing that I want to say is – And if Denver ever makes a trade for Aaron Rodgers, now you're talking about Denver's loaded on offense. Oh, my God. And now you're talking Aaron Rodgers, and now now the the script flips. And now you're talking about (laughs) – 
No, you know, really, no, you are right. It's My a whole final thing it's all, you know that one player, especially at the quarterback position, can change. And that's why we you said about the Colts, Ted. You said, Ted, do you really think the Titans are better than the Colts? I said, yes, now. But if Carson Wentz plays to the potential that the Colts I'm think basing, he is, now you're talking him. about the Colts. Now you're talking about the Colts as the second or third best team in that in that AFC. Especially if Carson Wentz can play to his potential. I'm basing it off of a complete because their defense is nasty. Their offensive line is really good. They got a great running game. They got some weapons. Yeah, it just comes down to Carson Wentz. My final thing about this whole Julio Jones thing, you look back on it, I think Dave Gettleman looks like a genius for the trade he made with Odell Beckham Jr. Just look at all the receivers that's been traded for the past couple of years. And then you look at Odell Beckham Jr., what they got, what the Giants got for him. Two, two first round, first picks round pick. They get yeah. De they get Dexter Lawrence in that. They get Jabril Peppers, who was another first round pick, and then you exactly. get a third round. Pick. Makes out pretty good for the Giants what they look like. So I mean, all in all, this all this. Well, this I don't know. The Vikings, season, the Vikings got a lot for Diggs. The Vikings well, got true. a lot for Diggs. I mean, but this I mean, you think about what been... Hopkins went for. You think about what Julio went for. You're you're 100 right in in the market. And listen, we said it last night, Trev, at 2:30 in the morning. That's also because Julio's coming off a nine-game season. What would have been Julio's value if he came off of 15 games with 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns? You know what I mean? Joe, if you had to rank your AFC quickly, and I know you got to get going, I want to know your top five after the move with Julio Jones. Where would you rank right now your top five? Because I already know Ted's, and I already know mine, so I would love to know what yours is. Uh, all right, so KC, Buffalo, Baltimore, um, I'm going to say the Chargers. Over the Browns? Yeah, and I'm going to go with the Browns last with Tennessee right behind there. I, You know, I know everybody laughs because I don't like Justin Herbert, <laughs> but with that defense, man, and what they did in the draft, I, I mean, God, that's going to be – that's, I think, an 11-win team right there. If you get to – I really do. Back, you think, I'm, I'm curious why you picked Baltimore over uh, Cleveland. I just like Baltimore better just all around. I, again, for me, Cleveland's going to have to prove it again because, you know, it's Baker Mayfield. And, I mean, even the most ardent Browns fans aren't. They're like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's getting there. I don't think anybody's like this guy's. But I think one more year, can he do it again? If he can, then he's definitely the guy. And. That defense, boy. I mean, and and the way they run that offense. But again, I think anytime Baker Mayfield's like running something, you have to like. There's got to be a little skepticism there. So I'm 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 just gonna hold back for now. I mean, dude. I I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Cleveland in the AFC Championship game, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs. Okay. That's the Baker Mayfield thing that I, I still am having a hard time wrapping my head around. That's the Cleveland Brown thing right there. That's I don't there know. You it's go. more of a bold take. You saying the Chargers might win 11 win, 11 win team or the Browns not making the playoffs. Well, here's the thing. Bold. That's not a bold statement when they added an extra game this year. 11 and 6 is – remember, it's not 11 and 5 no more. It's 11 and 6 because there's a seven, there's an, an extra 11 game. wins for a team that just was a top 12 Well, here's pick. the thing. I think Oakland took a step back. If Denver doesn't make a move, the Chargers should be the second-best team. They can compete with the Chiefs, at least because of Herbert's potential. They fixed the offensive line. They got a running game. They still have weapons on the offensive side. Derwin James gets healthy, Trev. You know what Derwin James is for that defense. You still have Joey Boza, who's not, if not one of the three best pass rushers in the game. 
So from the and, Ohio State and, and and Brian Staley, the new coach who came from the Rams. I know he's really young, but he had that Rams defense as the number one he's defense a, last a, year. Yeah, he's a defensive minded. So guy. you know, listen, if he can change that defense and correct some mistakes, you know, like Joe said, nine wins, eleven wins. You know, a field goal here, a missed opportunity here, and sure, you know, they were two and seven before they finished yeah. seven and nine. In one possession games, they were terrible last year. That's yeah, one of the there worst you go. Games. And again, oh. right? You get Bosa, you get uh, Devin James is back. It's and then plus, and plus, you added Corey Lindsley. And then there you, you go. I mean, again, on the offensive line. That's I liked a, a lot of the stuff the Chargers have done this offseason. And while I still don't love the ball out of Herbert's hand, I'm not going to argue with the results. You're not going to argue with the results. He's getting it done. If he keeps getting it done, then I <laughs> guess that's just. That's sure. just how he throws. Could you imagine a Chargers Rams Super Bowl in LA, LA Stadium? I'd be I would love that. That would be awesome. Herbert versus Stafford, Brian Staley, the ex defensive coordinator, versus Sean McVay. No, you cracked me up. You cracked me up. You're telling me about the Browns. They're on the cusp. What are they all? Aaron Boone over there? Yeah, we're on the cusp. <laughs> we can feel it. We're we getting better, well, better we snaps every week. We're this close. Joseph, it's always a pleasure, my man. I'll see you Friday. Um, I look forward to it. Gentlemen, have a great day. You too, Thank buddy. you. Oh, no, we got to get him back. I lost Ted for a sec. Oh, he's back. <laughs> well, that was the Joseph Aguirre. You can check him out at Clovercrest Media as the president and at Joe, Podcaster Joe on Twitter, the man. He's finally he's finally getting into the Chargers now. See, we're, we're, starting, we're, starting to, we're starting to persuade him. We're starting to finally get Joe into the groove of things, finally. Well, speaking of the groove of things, the NBA playoffs has been a huge success. It's been great. It's been awesome. The, the games have been entertaining. The stars have come to show, uh, shine. And just like we talked about last week, the younger stars, man, the Suns with Devin Booker. You got Utah playing tonight against the Clippers. Hey. This is, this, hey. Hold on. Oh, hold on. Mike Connolly's out for the game tonight. Okay, whatever. So, anyways, whatever. So that's, dude, that's huge loss. Huge. That's, that's a huge loss. Huge. That's, that's listen. It, I think the difference with the Jazz this year is Mike Connolly's got another season under his belt, and you could tell that the Jazz and him are 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 smooth. I think that's you it. Tell it, last year that Mike Connolly was still trying to find his way with his team. That's a huge loss for the Jazz tonight. That's unfortunate. Having Donovan Mitchell back, you could see how different that team is, though. He's I mean, out with been, a I mean, this is going to be an interesting – got to think about this also this postseason. We're going to have a finals for the first time in over 11 years that either LeBron James or Steph Curry has not been in the finals. I forgot to mention that last week, but Thank I'm God. glad I said it this week. We could have a new champion for the first time ever in their franchise history. We got – we it's – it's been awesome because of the factor of who's still left in it. I was really hoping to see Dallas just because it would have been different. We haven't seen Dallas in this situation since the Dirk, Steve Nash days. And you look at the teams left, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the um, Clippers, and then you got the, the Suns, all four teams that are not known for winning in the NBA. And then the Eastern Conference, you got the Sixers, you got the Hawks, you got the Nets, and then you got the Bucks. I mean, this is gonna be this has been a fascinating playoffs all around Trev. well we've been saying it all year hold on but we've been saying it all year the brooklyn nets there's a reason why they were the odds on favorite since the james harden trade the moment they traded for james Harden, i know james harden didn't play you're saying wait wait he didn't play last night so what the hell are you talking about 
My point is, is that this team has been the front runner. Hell, I guess we can even say since the offseason when they got KD and they got Kyrie. But then when they got James Harden, it almost became inevitable that you would feel the Brooklyn Nets would be in the NBA Finals. Well, they're proving that right now. They didn't have James Harden last night. You know how much they won by? 39 points. Is it proving? My point is, I want to ask you, Ted, are the Nets proving, and this is from back, this is past couple years, you could say, that the talent will always reign supreme in the NBA. When I mean by talent over everything, it, that means coaching, team that's had chemistry. And the Nets just proving that, hell, you don't need, I mean, the Nets have only had Harden, Kyrie, and KD play for less than about 13 games. But it's and it's crazy. But look so, at what they can do. The talent is just proving it right in front of our faces. So, Trev, you said something before we started this topic about um, no LeBron, no Curry. How about this one? For the first time in 15 years, the NBA playoffs will be played without Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, or Steph Curry. 15 it's years. Like the NFL. It's like the NFL. Oh, where, like, the NFL yeah. didn't have like, Brady, Ben, or like oh, it's just crazy. Also, since 2005, there'll be no LeBron, no Steph, no Los Angeles Lakers, no Boston Celtics, no Chicago Bulls, no New York Knicks, no Miami Heat, no Warriors. Yep. That's crazy. Was, what is, what That's noticed, been the NBA, though. What I've noticed with this playoffs is the two guys that got traded for have been the biggest uh, talking points of the NBA playoffs, Trey Young and Luka Doncic. The two guys that got traded for have been the two biggest stars in the NBA playoffs so far. At least from where I have watched and seen. Now you'd be like, ah, what about Kevin Durant? I'm just saying, we talked about Trey Young a lot more than Kevin Durant in the first round. I will go down as the yeah, most equal trade in NBA history. He's literally scored 30 points in every game, Trey Young. He's literally dominated. He's been, he's been incredible. And Luka Doncic has dominated, did dominate that whole Get entire Get him the number two, for God's sakes, Dallas. Go all in. They don't. They have a problem though. Porzingis still owe three years, one hundred five million dollars. He's a bum. I don't think they see. Here's my problem with that. I know we're, we're off topic for a second, but that's all right. They don't use him properly enough. They don't use well, him. He's a guy. He's here's the thing. Listen, is a ball hog. I watched the games. He goes down and doesn't. I almost I call myself. He doesn't pass the ball, bro. He don't but pass he, the ball. Trev, I know he's the best player. Pass the ball, no, bro. He's got a bunch of scrubs on the team. I think it was game two. He – he, more guys throughout his team were had were involved. I think they're a better team and more people are involved. You can't be shooting the ball 40 times a game, bro. That's not how you win. He's such a playmaker. But I'm sorry, Porzingis shooting – Three for eight in a game, getting eight shots as your number two star. There's something wrong with that. They made him a spot-up sh shooter. I know he's, he's a liability. Here's the other thing. He is a problem defensively. He's a liability and gets hurt too much. So he's that's a major back. Now going to your original question. I wanted to ask you this. Hold on. Go ahead. Hold on because you just said it. All the teams that have been in the NBA championship for the past couple of years, since the past 15 years. Yeah. Celtics, the Lakers, the Heat, Warriors. What they all have in common? Stars. They were all stars. Yeah. You don't, my point is, is and, and so I tell people your two teams yeah. that should be the championship should be the Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Because based, they off have, talent, based off of talent, the Western Conference is wide open. Yes. The East will be different because 
I say the West is wide open because the Jazz, the Jazz are a good team. The Suns, I mean, the Suns could easily get to the finals. I watched and the, game the, Clippers, game. the Clippers should get to the finals because they have the most talent. The Nuggets will probably, unfortunately, fall short. If they have Jamal Murray, we're talking about a whole different team. And oh, then yeah, the absolutely. Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference, I say it's the Nets because I don't trust the Philly. Atlanta is a great, great story, and they're playing damn well, damn good basketball right now. They're on a roll, and I did say don't be surprised if they are in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucs have a problem with Giannis because he can't shoot for his life. This is the net. I mean, Giannis is a great player. Don't get me wrong. But we, again, this is another year of him struggling at the free throw line, struggling to hit the perimeter shooting, and even just the mid range game. He's not. He's just one dimensional right now in the sense of he drives to the basket and gets his he gets his points. Then the Nets are just they're just clear cut above everyone else, and that's without that was, Harden. That was the best game the Nets have probably played all season last night. I watched the game. The, oh, they dude, it was forty to nineteen. I was like, holy crap. And, and, and here's the thing. It's not just Kevin Durant and Kyrie, even though Ky- Kevin Durant and Kyrie put, gets theirs. They're going to get theirs. Listen, that's that's the the team in themselves, the role players, all are clicking. And here's what's more impressive to me is their liability of what we spoke about all season with them was defense, defense, defense. They're playing great defense. They're playing great team defense. They just gave up 86 points. <laughs> See, here's the that thing. That doesn't help they know G- okay, so they know Giannis can't shoot. It's it's it bothers the crap out of me that he can't still shoot and can't hit a free throw because his form is not bad. But mm-hmm. I mean, he just has not improved. And you know he can't shoot, so they backtrack. And then once he comes in the lane, they condense him. They build a um like an igloo around him, a mm-hmm. bubble. Excuse me, yeah. that's probably a better word, a bubble around him. And they force him to take tough layups or shots. He missed he's missed a lot. Here's the other thing. Do you realize they only shot seven free throws last night? Seven free throws. What that proves to me is you're not aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. You're settling for jump shots. Now, I know they were the leading scoring team in the in NBA this season, over about 122 points a game, I think it was around. Um, and they shot the three ball really well, even though the Nets finished second in the league shooting the three. So when they were dominating against the Nets, it was Giannis was getting 40 and like 15, dominating the inside paint, and then when he would dom- would condense the lane, he'd kick it out and they were banging the threes. Well, they haven't shot the three ball well. Brooke Lopez has been a liability defensively on the court, which this is my problem. They were talking about it on, um, J. Will, Zadino, and Keyshawn this morning. And then they talked about it last night with Shaq and those guys last night, Kenny and Charles. The Bucks have not made any in-game adjustments. It's like they've—they're sticking to the plan. Like that's who we are, and that's who we're going to be. It's—they it's have—they have. I thought the Bucks, Bob, excuse me, the Bucks were probably going to lose in seven. Right now, they don't look like they're going to win a game. They've gotten outplayed in both games, bless you. And to see that it hasn't even involved James Harding. If I'm the Nets. I'm sitting Harden for as long as I possibly have to. If I, unless, I have to bring, unless I have to bring him back for game seven, he sits right on the bench and keeps slipping on, uh, slurping on that smoothie, bro. Just chill. It, get the, it's get the it's really fascinating to see the Bucks from what they were last series against – I mean, they stifled the Miami Heat offense. They, they dominated shooting the ball defensively. They shut them down for four straight games. And to see them already down 2-0 and it – and this feels like a different 2-0. It almost feels like they're down 3-0 because of the beating they took last night. It almost feels like the series is almost – I mean, Durant, 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 Durant,
like every series. Hold on. Quick question. Hold on. Did you see Giannis's post game last night? No. Okay. Well, I don't know if you maybe looked it up today or saw some things or videos. He sounded like Aaron Boone. Bro, he sounded like Aaron Boone. I just wanted to say that it's like passive aggressive. He was like, Well, I don't want to get too high and too low. No, dude, time to get too high. Because you're you're one game away from getting swept, and this whole Bucks team is going to I just wanted to say that it feels like, like you look at the Hawks and Philly series. I mean, it's only it's only one zero, but it feels like that's going to be a long series. The the, the Maver are not the Mavericks. The uh, Jazz and Clippers haven't even started, and then last night that feels like that could go like six games. It, it, this series feels like it could go four games. Like right off the bat, it already feels like yeah, it's two zero, but it already feels like it's a three zero deficit because of the way the Nets came out last night. And I mean, the Bucks. It's amazing to see what they've have done from one series to the next. It feels like this is a whole completely different team, a different looking team, like something happened. But I mean, I've been saying it all year, talent in the NBA, all you need. And we had a big argument last week about this. It doesn't take much to compete for a champ for a championship in the NBA. Just look at the past 15 years. The Celtics went to go make a couple moves. Guess what? They won a title. They got to another finals. The Lakers, Kobe, what did they do? They went to go get Paul Gasol. They won a title. They won two titles. Then you look at the Heat. What did the Heat do? They formed the big three. They won a couple titles. Then you get the Warriors. What did they do? Yeah, they went to go get KD. Everybody can complain about it, but whatever. It is what it is. What did they do? They won a title. The Raptors. Raptors felt like they were on the cusp of getting to a title. What did they have to go do? They had to trade DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. What were the results? Championship. And now you're looking at the Nets. Is this what the NBA is going to be now from the time being? Is that what it's going to be? That all you need is you need that one star and you're going to just, you'll be fine. You'll be in the situation of, okay, well, we're right there. All we got to do is just make a move. It's almost like Portland. It's like it's it's like the Mavericks. If you can make a move for one of these stars, you're right in the contention of a title. You're right there. And it's proving the past 15 years, and it's going to continue. Well, here's the thing. Of the two MVPs, Durant is completely outplaying Giannis. All right? He's nasty. And, I mean, KD and, is, uh, is well, doing KD. So Giannis has not played up the potential. So here's – I'm just reading a couple tidbits to it. So P.J. Tucker, which we thought was going to be a mo- big move for them. The Bucks were 6 for 30 on three-pointers in game one. Well, they were 8 for 27 in game two. P.J. Tucker – has only, only had two points in 22 minutes in last night's game. Here's another thing. Middleton missed his first eight shots last night, making mm. him six for 31 in in the series, which, listen, he's supposed to be their number two star. He How's Drew Holiday, How's Drew Holiday been playing? And here's the other thing. Blake Griffin found the fountain of youth, bro. Blake Griffin has been a stud. Just go he's to been, him. He's go been to- more than – you need a change of scenery, bro. Sometimes you just need a change of scenery. Well, well, here's the thing. He's dunking. He slammed it on Giannis last night. Dude, he played Power. in Detroit. I mean, who wants to play in Detroit? Nobody doesn't likes Detroit. That, doesn't, that doesn't stop you from dunking the ball. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying he's banging, that. He's banging the threes. He's playing good defense. He's yeah. been – I mean, he's not what he was with the Clippers, but he, he has given them a definitely – B12 shot, a good sh- shot in the rear end. And really, I mean, you could see it last night. He said in the, in the 
they, they almost feed off of him. Give me your t- hold on before we close out. Give me your top three teams right now. Title favorites are the Nets number one. Have yeah, to. Have to. Have All right, to. who's two, who's two and three for you? I'm only doing. I want to just do top. Well, three. Georgia would be in the West. Uh, Clippers two. The problem is I have so many question marks, but I still talent wise put them two. Number okay. three, I'll put I'll put the Suns. I just think Chris Paul's leadership and what he does for those Suns. Devin Booker, Aiton is was uh, was phenomenal last night. He outplayed. Uh, Jokic, and if that's going to be or at least be a 50-50 split, the Denver Nuggets have no chance, especially no Jamal Murray. Listen, here's the thing. I like the Jazz. I told you. I think the Jazz have the potential to win it all. They have the most complete team. Um, We'll see what happens with Mike Connolly. I think this is a bad matchup for them with the Clippers, but we'll see what happens. But yes, I'm going to go the Suns, too. I'm going to go Clippers, three. But I would not – I would. I mean, and then I would put the Jazz probably at four, too. I, I mean, don't. It's, it's I crazy don't to see the Jazz four when they had the best record. And in, uh, in Philly is one Embiid injury away from being Dunzo. Atlanta, Atlanta's ability not to shoot like Giannis is is a, is a problem. Listen, yeah. I told you before when we were doing the show last week, and you're like, I don't want no prediction. I don't want no predictions. I thought the Milwaukee Nets series would have been the best series so far, um, and I figured whoever won that series was going to come out of the East. Um, the West, I, I, the West. I don't know who's coming out of the West. I think the Suns eventually. Right? I think the Suns will eventually beat the Nuggets, be, especially because there's no Jamal Murray. If there's a Jamal Murray in this series, I don't know who wins it that. Be, it should be the Clippers, based off of talent. You would assume so, based on everything that they have. That they have Paul George, they have Kawhi, Reggie Jackson, they have mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo, they have Tyron Lue, they have they have Zuba, they have they have a bunch of great role players. They have talent. They have everything. But you can't shy away from the team that won the most games in the NBA. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is a star. Mike Connolly, he's not a has star. He's an all-star player. Rudy Gobert is an all-star player. They have Joe Ingles. They have Bojanovic. They have they have players on the team that can come off the bench and give them everything that they need. Or they have they the sixth man of the year. They have Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. They ha- they play great defense. They have a shot blocker. They shoot the three ball well. They have a great coach. So to knock them is kind of a, you know, I think how you started this topic and how it ended is superstars win in the NBA, talent wins in the NBA, not all the time, but majority of the time. And right now the Nets are proving that they're the best team in basketball. And last night I thought the Suns were the best team in the West based on what I, how they played last night because of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. And you know what? When you're going to get 23 points from Akil Bredges, and, you know, that's just, yeah. you know – that's great help from your role players, and that's what you need to be a, a championship team. The only reason why we bash the Jazz is because of the way the NBA trend has been in the past 15 years and how it's going to continue to be that trend. And it, all you need is a couple – one or two – I would say two superstars, and you're right there. You can have all the great coaching. You could have the great chemistry all you want. But in the league of the NBA – Talent wins all the time. It may be different in baseball. It may be different in hockey. It may be different in football. But in the NBA, it's showing. And from the past to now the present and will be in the future, that talent will always reign supreme in the NBA. It's been a great NBA playoffs, though. I've been loving it. Great big games tonight. I cannot wait. We get, can the Atlanta Hawks go 2-0 on the number one seed, the Philadelphia 76ers tonight? Time will tell. Great games from Trey Young and Embiid. So, it's been a great – It's first game was awesome. Then you got the Clippers and Jazz open up game one, so it should be a fun night. We'll see how it happens. We'll be back on Friday, talk about the Yankees. 
again, of course. Four, four games set against the Twins started tonight at 8 o'clock. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about – we'll get more into that illegal substance. We brought it up briefly today, but we'll get more into it on Friday. And we'll see what happens with this Aaron Rodgers situation because right now he ain't coming to he ain't coming to practice. So that ain't good. He ain't pulling no AI. It's practice. Really, it's only practice, guys. But we'll see what happens. A lot's brewing. The NBA playoffs will continue more talk on that on Friday. Everybody stay safe. We are Keys to the City. We're streaming on all social media platforms at Keys to the City. So subscribe, comment, share, and like. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are out. So you know you really viewing greatness In the making of a love on facts we stating Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation So what you saying, what we saying, prime information Facts, keys to the city, we're locking the statements Streaming every Friday